If you have any questions for these great geniuses up here, you should, even a business question related to what we're talking about. Hey y'all, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about coronavirus, uh, some extraordinarily corrupt local officials and their story that just keeps getting better, uh, a deeply upsetting cop story out of Santa Monica, and a quick update on the ongoing fight to stop neighborhood drilling in the city of Los Angeles. But first, how's it going, Bushido? It is. It's been a long year since Monday. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. It's we been a just lifetime. celebrated the new year, and here we are again. I just it, time literally flies. Um, last week I, I asked y'all to news less, and apparently yeah, this, nobody got that memo. Yeah, no, everyone took it the opposite. They're like challenge accepted, and I feel stupid. Um, that being said, uh, before we get into the coronavirus and stuff, I do want to say I am officially back in LA, like for permanent, which is good. Yeah. Um. And Ground Game already it has me off and running because can't stop, won't stop, don't know how to stop. Of course. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what's going on. And also, like, this is the weird thing about being an organizer in a city like L.A. is when you get into a period of extreme need and you're like, oh, my gosh, look at all the work I can do. And that's exciting. But at the same time, like, we can build a society that doesn't require this. Yeah. But, like, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like, I don't know what to do. Look around you. There are people getting ready to help, not just Ground Game, not just the folks we work with. Los Angeles County is absolutely massive, and there are tons of people that are getting active to, pr to protect their communities. You can help them. You can support them. Get at us at Ground Game. We can connect you with resources. We can tell you where to send money if that's all you can do. If you've got time, if you've got energy, start reaching out to your neighbors. Uh, there are people in your block that need somebody getting them groceries, that need people bringing them disinfecting stuff, that need people keeping an eye on them. This is stuff we all need to start doing now because it is really clear that we can't count on the state to do this. Like, the state is not providing what we need to survive. The state is not providing, even for like the wealthier people in LA, they're getting left behind. If you're an uber wealthy investor, you just got a $1.5 trillion bailout, <laughs> yeah, but do. that money's not trickling down to us. Remember, we protect us, and this is the time we have to do that. But Chris, how's your week been? My week has been pretty wild. It's uh, this nice. There's been a there's been a lot going on, and um, I, I I was I was briefly out of town and, and went to Palm Springs for the first time in my life, and uh, was thinking very deeply about one of the upcoming stories that we're going to talk about and the uh, the connections that it has to Palm Springs and to uh, Las Vegas. But uh, I was absolutely 100% here for it when uh, Scott Frazier uh, from LA podcast was just going full red yarn <laughs> on a bulletin board mode on Monday. And it was just glorious to watch that whole process unfold. I was actually thrilled that they, they did decide to come out with an emergency podcast that they, they released their second one because Monday is always the day that the story actually drops here in Los Angeles. So um, I'm glad that we're, you know, still able to catch these stories even if it's it feels like we're a little bit further behind you record what a day before they do but man that was that was a fun story to watch i mean they they recorded an emergency podcast yes, because did. of that one yeah, but yeah yeah we'll get into that one in a second let's uh let's talk coronavirus today yeah uh so some big stuff happened uh we're recording a couple hours later than we usually do and it's a good thing yeah because we were able to pop some popcorn 
Chris baked a couple of nice loaves of sourdough, <laughs> and we kicked down and Not, watched our our big orange boy president oh God, it was so uh, disavow any and all responsibility <laughs> for what's happening here, despite the fact that he's on the record multiple times being responsible for exactly what's oh, going yeah. on. No. Uh, but so we uh, let's go through some a little bit of the news updates, and then we're going to talk kind of coronavirus writ large and like what we can do personally to kind of like mitigate this because there's a few tips we want to pass on uh and some other stuff that we want to talk about just to sort of like get a handle on what the hell is going on yeah so let's work our way down from the national level so the the thing that was uh, you know i tuned in for part of this news conference uh press conference whatever the hell you want to call it that trump was putting on today and uh, it is just incredibly painful to listen to him talk but one of the things that kept coming up while the reporters were asking him questions at the end was uh, related to his own potential exposure to the coronavirus. So you you probably have heard by now that he did spend a bunch of time with uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil. And uh, and so I remember Jair got uh, they said he caught the coronavirus. They so did. he's got it right. Well, but then they've apparently retracted that now. It so was he's his, a lying fascist. His yes, uh, I mean. Uh, is there another kind? Um, but Touché. his 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 son apparently has retracted that statement about his father or something like that. But point is, uh, Fabio Weingarten, uh, which is an interestingly spelled one because you can clearly see that it's like the Portuguese version of a German last name, um, he, who is the communication secretary to Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro, has uh, definitely been tested positive for the coronavirus. And the picture in question that everyone was asking Trump about in uh, that press conference this afternoon was one that was taken at Mar-a-Lago, where he is standing next to uh, Fabio Weingarten. And there's, you know, any time that you're apparently within a six foot radius of somebody who is known to have you know, contracted the virus and tested positive for it, you're supposed to then go get tested and go into self-quarantine. Yeah. And Trump was like saying, like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get tested. That seems like I might get tested. I'm not going to go into self-quarantine. He just basically, you know, did his usual routine of just talking around the topic without actually committing to anything. And it was extremely frustrating to listen to. But point is, um, our big orange boy might actually have coronavirus. So stay tuned to see what happens there. Um, and he's he's declared a state of national has, emergency, yes. but what that actually means, I'm still unclear on. Just more money. It means that it's easier to get like emergency funding from the feds released to the states to go handle it. So that's good. Um, I mean, they did absolutely flub the development of the testing regime. Uh, they opted not to use the uh, the the tests that are international allies have created that were yeah. successful in testing for this virus and instead produced their own virus uh, their own test out of the cdc which then when it, when it got sent off to these labs they weren't able to validate it so then all of the testing had to be routed through the cdc so we are so so far behind on testing in this country relative to other places that have actually got a handle on what's going on it i've seen a bunch of uh charts comparing us to the state of like what what's going on in in Italy in their 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 state of infection and the basics the basic um summary there is that the the northern italian cities had a massive viral outbreak going on that nobody knew about for a very long time and by the time they decided to actually get around to testing and quarantining and all of that so many people were coming down with these pneumonia like symptoms that they just overwhelmed the entire medical industry uh, like all, all of the healthcare facilities that they that they have, and now they're having to make decisions about who lives and who dies based on 
you know, what the availability of respirators are. So, uh, yeah, as of today, Friday, nationally, we have surpassed 1,700 confirmed and presumptive cases of the coronavirus with 41 confirmed deaths coming out of the virus. So it's a big problem nationally. It's going to become a bigger problem as things go by. Well, yesterday I went to the grocery store to go, you know, get some uh, some foodstuffs that I can, you know, convert into bread. And uh, they were basically all out of flour at the Whole Foods in downtown. They were absolutely all out of pasta and had no toilet paper anywhere to be seen. So people are definitely in panic mode as far as hoarding resources go. Um, I grabbed my five pound bag of flour and some, you know, uh, some actual fresh vegetables and whatnot. So I can bake, yeah, you know, get like 10 loaves out of that or something like that. No, it's four four or six loaves anyway it's fun uh bread is is fun you can make lots of bread from a bag of flour and uh anyway the uh some of the stuff that's been going on at the more local level is in california governor newsom uh i keep wanting to say gavinator uh but you know whatever governor newsom has banned any gathering where it's going to be more than what 250 people as of the last time i had heard any updates on this there was originally a special carve out for disneyland saying that they could continue to operate as usual. Yeah. Um, but that has since been rescinded and Disney is going to be shutting down for the next couple of weeks. I think because a lot of people were like understandably <laughs> yeah. mad. Yeah. It um, didn't go over well. No. And I, I mean, it also kind of makes sense. Like Disneyland is like yeah. a huge tourist mecca. It pr- is pretty much the economic engine of Anaheim. Uh, that being said, with Disney shutting down, this, the fact that the city of Anaheim isn't talking about a rent freeze or an eviction moratorium. Yeah. That's uh, because like a lot of people who live in Amazon or live in Amazon, live in, <laughs> live in Anaheim, work for Disney and yes. they're not going to be able to pay the rent at, if this goes on for too yeah. long. And like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, which the majority of people in Los Angeles County are two weeks without a paycheck or two weeks with reduced pay, even if you're able to get your unemployment um, benefits, the most you'll get from the state is $450 a week. Yikes. And that's something to mention here also is if you've had your hours cut or you've lost your job because of this outbreak, uh, you are able to apply without waiting a week. Like you can immediately apply. Like your boss can say, I'm cutting your hours by half. You can go home and immediately apply for unemployment insurance through the state. You will be paid based on your pay rate. And this is problematic for a lot of people. Cause like when I was making really good money as a video editor and I got laid yeah. off, I was getting the $450 a week. Trying to replace that with $450 a week Some in unemployment benefits insane. doesn't work. And yeah. I don't have a family to feed. Yeah. If you got a family to feed, things are going to get desperate, especially because LAUSD just announced on Monday they're closed for at least two weeks. Yep. And San Diego Public Schools also announced that they were going to be shutting down. Yep. Like this is spreading out. It's getting it's getting bigger. But of course, we do get to thank our lovely mayor who has been extremely present in the city uh, as the election continues on at the national level. Uh, for definitely not stepping in and giving a shit about the fact that uh, coronavirus was knocking on the door here and they still let the L.A. Marathon happen, you know, gathering, what, 20,000 people in extremely close proximity, sweating and, you know, being all over each other. Uh, It's, yeah, I I, I don't know what to say, but Garcetti, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, no, it, it. And now the, the state of California has officially asked that all events that are 250 people or more yeah. that are non-essential be shut down yep, in yep. every venue. I'm still getting like advertisements from Spotify to like buy tickets to concerts. Like it will be held <laughs> like, like, like Elohim is like playing at the, the Wiltern, I think on, or maybe the Pantages on the 19th. And I was like, no, that show should be canceled. Like yeah. I would love to go see her pl- perform, 
But no, she like she shouldn't be holding a show on the 19th. Uh, but to, to transition back real quick to uh, LAUSD. So while LAUSD is going to be shutting, uh, they are going to still be providing free and low-cost meals to students. So for a lot of LAUSD students who rely on the school district to feed them, they will still be able to get some of those to get some of those meals provided they can get to campus, hey. uh, which is good. Uh, meals will not be served in like the big open cafeteria. They're going to be served in like smaller classroom settings with fewer kids around. Uh, just to try and stop the spread of anything that might be passed around. If you're a special needs student, your locations will be closed, but your regional service centers will still be open. So if you do have issues with this, or if you do have like questions, head over to LAUSD.net. They have a, a big press release up that like goes through all of the details and you'll be able to reach out to someone there to figure out what you're going to do. But this is also a problem. Like here in the city of LA, we have 600,000 kids who now don't have their regular schedule to keep. You know, that's... Yeah hundreds of thousands of families that now have to figure out what to do with kids anywhere from the age of six to 18. Uh, this is, yeah, this, this is, was a problem during the strike. Yeah. It's going to be a bigger problem yeah. now because we also can't rely on the same uh, community backstops that we relied on during the UTLA strike because during the UTLA strike, it was okay to have like a neighborhood daycare for kids. We can't have that right yep. now. Nope. Uh, we, we literally do need to practice the social isolation, this idea of flattening the curve and just we know that the that this novel virus is going to keep spreading because we don't have mm -hmm. any immunity to it. The the mission right now is not to stop the spread dead because we're not going to, but to at least decrease the rate at which it's spreading so that our medical system doesn't get overwhelmed. And this is where we're going to get into a little bit of the numbers and wonkery because I think sure. this is where uh, people really need to understand the scope of the problem. So for a lot of folks, and myself included, up until probably last week or early this week, I didn't really know what the symptoms of COVID-19 were. It turns out that they are very close to being flu-like, but yep. they're also different in a couple of ways. One of the main ways is apparently the virus uh, for COVID tends to live in the throat rather than in the lungs. So hmm. like a sore throat definitely comes along with this, uh, but it also comes with a lot of the same respiratory problems. So shortness of breath, uh, pulmonary distress. Uh, as well as like muscle fatigue and extreme tiredness. So if you are feeling any symptoms like that, please do head to an emergency room to try and get tested. There is no guarantee that you will still get tested. If you're not in a vulnerable population, they might just send you home rather than using a test on you because we have so few tests going around and we have such few lab capabilities that there's no way to get everyone tested and everyone cleared. What they'll generally do is test you for the flu. And if you come mm -hmm. up negative for the flu, they'll be like, you know what? You probably do have it. Just don't go outside for five yeah. to 14 days. Like, go self-quarantine. Unless you're in a vulnerable population like myself, being a type 1 diabetic, I'm what they call immunocompromised. Like, the flu has nearly killed me, and it wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it, or if you're an elderly person, if you're over the age of 60, the chances of you recovering fully from this quickly without medical intervention are much lower. But so let's, like, break down some of the numbers here. So we're looking at infection rates over a given population the size of the city of Los Angeles between 60 and 80% is what they're estimating. That's just if this keeps spreading. insane to think yeah, about. The last, like, the last time 80% of us all got sick with something was the Spanish flu, and it killed more people than World War One. Yes, it did. Fortunately, it doesn't look like this spread is going to be as bad. Also, we have like better hygiene and like medical technology. But that being said, let's, let's play it safe with some of the lower numbers. And let's say 60% of the state of California catches COVID-19. So that's 25.8 million people that are infected. Of those 25.8 million people, 60 to 80% of them are not going to show symptoms at all. They're going to be very mild. They might feel like they've got a little bit of a cold. They may be completely asymptomatic and they may fight the virus off completely. And this is one of the things about COVID 
that's kind of nice is when we talk about animal to human transmission and diseases, we're often talking about things that are absolutely killer, like measles Mm -hmm. and smallpox. Those came from cows. Yeah, those came from uh, Ebola. Came from uh, chimpanzees. Yeah, the speed at which these diseases ravage the human well, because immune the, system. The problem is smallpox and measles think they're in a cow. Like yeah. the virus isn't smart enough to know. Like you're not a cow. You're a human. I yeah, shouldn't make yeah, you yeah. as sick as I make a cow. Yeah. So that's why it kills humans. Is it thinks it's in a different host body than it actually is, yep. and the human Im- immune system has to adapt because COVID nineteen, like SARS, apparently came from bats. We're not facing like a disease that came from a bigger like more robust animal, but it's still one that's dangerous to vulnerable populations. Um, but this is also the problem when these diseases like jump is we don't have the the built-in immunity. So it spreads across the entire population. But so anyway, so the 60 to 80% of people who will catch this and won't be symptomatic, they're not really at risk themselves, but they're at risk because they can spread it to vulnerable populations. Yes. Now there's another 30% of people who will develop like kind of severe to moderate flu-like symptoms. Like you'll feel like you're really sick. You'll feel like you've got a bad flu, but your life isn't in danger. Your breathing isn't impacted. Your your pulmonary system isn't impacted. Like you will recover on your own with maybe some mild over-the-counter intervention, like maybe some Mucinex and like some nice tea and a couple days off. Like your body will fight off the infection and you'll develop the antibodies and then you'll move on. But 10% of us will need to be hospitalized. Like 10% of us will require medical intervention in order to survive. And this is where things get really scary. Yeah. So if we take it that, you know, 60% of us, 25.8 million people in the state of California get COVID-19 and 10% of them require hospitalization, that's 2.5 million people over the next so couple of months. So many people. 2.5 million people. There are only 75,000 hospital beds in the state of California. And that includes all the hospital beds that are, that are uh, being held, or they're being used by people who have like regular cancer or got hit by a car or like just any of the normal course of events. Like at any given time, the hospital capacity here in Los Angeles County is like 60% of the beds are already taken. Yeah. We only have around 20,000 beds in this county. Like we've already at, you know, just at the sort of milder projections outstripped the ability to care for these people to allow our medical professionals to operate in a safe and sane way. Like we have to remember that like doctors and nurses are humans too. They need breaks. They need equipment. You know, in Italy, they're having to face the hard fact that there aren't enough respirators to go around. And so when two very sick patients come into the ER and they both need a respirator, the doctors have to make the call. This one's more likely to survive. Like we're having to make a utilitarian call. Like your grandfather gets to live. Your grandmother does not. And That's not a call we should be making in a society like this. Like, this was all entirely preventable-ish to an extent, like at least this level of crisis. We could have been prepared for this. We could have had an idea of what was coming. We could have spent the last couple of decades building up a resilient medical infrastructure. Instead, we didn't. And now we're at a point where, like, we've gone from already regular levels of overburdened to absolutely off the charts overburdened. And we're going to be seeing this for another three to six months. Like even if this, you know, kind of self-isolation in LA only lasts for a couple of weeks, the effects of this crisis and the health effects are going to last for months. This disease is going to come back every year. It's going to be like the flu. It's going to keep evolving and adapting because that's what viruses do. They've been around on this planet longer than we have. And there's a reason viral life is still a major player when it comes to like human survival. And that's what's really, really scary here is when we're talking about just the scale of the numbers that we have to deal with. We know that the city of LA is inundated with 60,000, or sorry, the county of LA is inundated with 60,000 people living on the streets. We're talking about potentially 
one million people in the county of Los Angeles that will need hospitalization, and we have nothing to do to help them. We have no way to expand that capacity overnight. Yeah. We can't just train new doctors at the blink of an eye. Like, we're stretched thin on any regular day that begins that ends in a Y. We're even more stretched past capacity. So this is why mutual aid and community defense is going to be the only thing that gets us through this. Like, the state has failed. Not that it was doing a great job before this, but we saw on Thursday... One of my favorite Dow charts ever. Like the Dow's just like oh. <laughs> down, 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 down. It like hit like twenty five hundred. It was down like twenty five thousand. No, 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 no. It was down twenty five hundred. Oh, it was down twenty five hundred. So, yeah, so it was yeah, down yeah. twenty five hundred, and it was like you know, uh, I think it was down eleven percent. And yeah. then uh, Jerome Powell came out, and he's like, "Bam, we're printing one point five trillion dollars to give to the corporations As and loans, to the banks." Apparently, uh, well, it's so five hundred mil- five hundred billion, which is a half trillion dollars, is just for short term liquidity for the banks to give to like gotcha. small and yeah, mid sized yeah. businesses just to keep the lights on and keep their staff paid. The Dow shot back up fifteen hundred points, and then an hour and a half later, continued to crater yep. and just fell off a cliff. And if the people who are the wealthiest and the people who own like most investment vehicles in this country are not swayed by $1.5 trillion into their pockets, it tells you things are worse than we could possibly imagine. And this is going to, you know, it's already affecting people on a very basic level where like service industry is seeing big layoffs. If you're a caterer, bam, you're done. If you if you rely on Coachella because you do art department and you build yeah, Coachella every done. year, yeah. yeah, you're not getting that job this year. That That's your rent for three months. Yeah, no, When so when I was out in Palm Springs, like, that was the a big announcement that happened while I was out there was like, oh, well, Coachella just got canceled and so did Stagecoach. So it's like, oh, shit, this is going to have a huge impact on all of these service industry jobs out there. Also, Palm Springs, holy shit, full of old people. Like, yep, that is an incredibly vulnerable population when it comes to this virus. This is going to be absolutely devastating out there. And I do not think that they have nearly enough uh, healthcare facilities in that part of the of our, you know, the, the region to deal yeah. with any of this stuff. It's going to, what we're saying is that this is going to get a hell of a lot worse before it starts getting better and just do everything you can to protect yourself, your family and your, your neighbors and you know, everyone that you love because the city and the state and the federal government aren't going to be there to help you. And there's really, at this point, it's too little to, for, it's too late for them to do much. And what they're offering to do is too little though. I will say this, it is, extremely inspiring to see you know the kinds of demands that activists have been making in terms of like getting some kind of financial relief to workers actually pushed around and these these things are being discussed at the highest levels like bernie sanders is calling for a national moratorium on all evictions uh amongst a number of other things and this is something that you know mike bonin has been pushing for in city hall uh alongside uh herb Wesson and Nuri Martinez, there's going to be an announcement coming up on Tuesday uh, surrounding all of these these measures that you know hopefully will do at least something to ease the burden of working families who are going to be so uh, you know put out by the impact of this virus. This is going to be oh man, like the 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 health consequences, the social consequences, the financial consequences, economic for for all of these people. Like working class folks are going to be hit by this the hardest and it's going to just it's going to take everything that we can to just pull each other through this and and just keep on going. So and to to kind of round this off on a bit of a hopeful note, we do have some tips for things that you can do, like starting immediately. So the first thing that you can do is talk to your neighbors. If you've never knocked on the the door next to you in your apartment building, now's a good time to do that. Just to be like, hey, how's it going? 
is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything that we can do to start building solidarity and to make sure everyone in this building gets through this? Next thing you can do, if you see supplies, like if you're out shopping and you see things like bleach, pick up a couple gallons of it. There are community groups that like need that because we're putting together self-disinfecting sprays to give to like our unhoused neighbors as well as like vulnerable communities. But the other thing you can do is pick up some spray bottles and some water. You go uh, one part bleach, 10 parts water in a spray bottle, and you can use that to spray on knobs. Uh, you can spray it on any hard surface that like you need to disinfect immediately. Uh, if you see antiseptic wipes, especially like Lysol and stuff that kills germs and viruses, pick those up when you get the chance hang on to them, give them to your friends if they need them. Uh, also, if you uh, want to wear a mask, it's not the worst idea in the world, but it's not good for protecting you from like breathing stuff Correct. in. It is good for stopping you from touching your face. Uh, other things that like you can start doing immediately, they're weird, but we got to do it. Stop doing handshakes, stop doing hugs. For a couple of weeks, like we just got to pretend everyone's infected and yeah. we're not sharing physical space because yeah. that will help slow the spread. If you can work, if you if you can work from home or if you can telecommute, then you should definitely start doing that. If you can avoid public transit when you're feeling sick, amazing. Yes. If you can carry hand sanitizer and wash your hands regularly while you're out in public, amazing. Uh, if you can, if you have a car or the ability to travel and you can help your vulnerable neighbors or your vulnerable friends who like need to self-quarantine but still need groceries and stuff, Offer to drive for them. Yeah. If you have a car, but you can't drive and you're okay with a friend of yours using your car for, for grocery shopping, it's time to start using our resources to start reaching out to people. The other thing is to start noticing the people around you and how their health is doing, to check in with them regularly, to be ready, willing, and able to say, hey, you need to go see a doctor. It seems like it's early, yeah. but you should go in now. We have to be proactive in fighting this. Keep tuned to groundgamela.org. We are going to be having a form coming up online. Uh, we are going to be having a mutual aid initiative coming like by the end of the weekend. We are going to start distributing information on what you can do, health information, community protection information, as well as developing logistics capability. We want to help you do this as well. We have a lot of orgs that we work with here in LA proper, but this is a big city. This is a big county. There's no way we do this lift ourselves as like the two dozen people that are at Ground Game. We need everyone's help and we need your feedback and we want to teach you how to do this as well. We'll also be sharing some resources in the description here for how you can start a neighborhood pod to start talking to people and start getting your neighborhood protected. But remember, this isn't just about this crisis. Things aren't getting better from here. We need to build resilient communities now so we can survive the next earthquake, the next hurricane, the next financial crisis. We need to understand that this is a dry run for the bad stuff that is coming down the line, especially after seeing the performance of our president today and melting Joe, Joe Biden, yeah. failing on every level to bring leadership. Like if that's the leadership we're looking at in the national on the national level for the next four years, we're screwed if we don't protect ourselves. Um, so I, I hope that that helps. I hope that there's something that we can bring to comfort you, to give you some skills, to give you something that you can do so you can get active and you can start impacting your community. Um, be safe out there. And I guess let's move on to the other uh, really fun <laughs> stories that we got today um, that are all about how our government is good and the people who are in government are the best among us. Uh, so let's talk about this very curious uh, council staffer B. By the way, really quick, fuck the West Wing for uh, making people believe lol. that like our politicians are the best amongst us and worthy of being praised. Like, yes, there are some that are good, but holy shit, it is a magnet for some of the worst people ever to walk the planet but anyway um let's just go ahead and read a quick clip out of a uh court document that was filed this is from an indictment from the fbi quote 
On or about June 3rd, 2017, the day after the Las Vegas trip, city staffer B sent business person A a text message thanking business person A for the enjoyable Las Vegas trip. The text message stated nothing about city staffer B or defendant Englander reimbursing business person A for any portion of the Las Vegas trip. So in case you haven't heard what the hell this is all about and those made no sense to you, uh, we're going to fill in a couple of blanks here. The uh, city council member in question was mentioned in that indictment by name. That is Mitchell Englander, former city council representative for the 12th district, which is where uh, his chief of former chief of staff, John Lee and uh, climate scientist and amazing candidate altogether. Dr. Lorraine Lundquist have been battling it out for so many election cycles. Now, it feels like uh, they're still going through the final counting in that one, um, but it, it's uh, we'll we'll touch base on that later. Um, anyway, business person or city staffer B in this indictment uh, has pretty effectively outed himself as being John Lee, given the 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 coincidental timing of the things that he has admitted to having done in terms of answering questions but, with the FBI. But he hasn't specifically said, I'm Staffer B. It's just sort he's, of been... He's done all but. It's yeah. been sussed out by people who have looked at the indictments and also yeah. his admission for what he did do. Like, unless oh, yeah. unless he has, like, a um, some sort of a shadow personality that, like, travels around <laughs> with him everywhere, like, it's John Lee. Absolutely. So, anyway, in reporting from the LA Times that came out today, Emily Alpert Reyes summarized the latest turn of events in this case as follows. Quote, the businessman who allegedly plied Los Angeles City Councilman Mitchell Englander with cash, an escort, and a lavish night out in Las Vegas to gain access to real estate developers also used his largesse to, quote, groom and cultivate other city officials, including at least one other council member, a federal prosecutor said on Thursday. So what exactly this businessman gave to Englander and other staffers was reported in the Times on Thursday as saying, Quote, the perks allegedly included a hotel room with amenities reserved for high rollers, an envelope stuffed with $10,000 in cash, lavish meals and bottle service at a nightclub, and a female escort sent to his room, Englander, at the end of a long night of partying. So uh, the preliminary hearing for this trial, which is going to be uh, a hell of a thing to watch, uh, was covered by KPCC and LAS reporter Libby Denkman. Uh, you can find her over on Twitter at at Libdenk, uh, L-I-B-D-E-N-K. So yesterday she was tweeting about this preliminary hearing because uh, she was there covering it live. And let's just go straight into these tweets. Quote, supposed to be a tame hearing to set a date, but the judge asked for a lot more detail. Example, we learned that businessman A sells cabinets and automated home devices like garage door openers. FBI has eight hours of audio recordings, either in person or phone between him and Englander. And that tells you something. Uh, another tweet from her said, quote, the FBI had a special agent in Vegas during the June 17 trip. Cheeky Judge Walter asked, did the agent participate in the 24K bottle service? U.S. Attorney Jenkins, quote, he was left out. Apparently the only person that was left out that night, end quote. Poor guy. <laughs> I don't know how they knew, you know, not to include him, but I, I mean, maybe he's just not very popular. <laughs> or maybe he just was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and abstain from this gross hey. Hey guys, bullshit. the guy with the microphone sticking out of his mask, <laughs> don't bring him to the strip club. <laughs> uh, another tweet from her uh, that is really great for indicating what the hell's going on here is uh, saying, quote, there will be 10 fact witnesses called by U.S. attorneys. Many of them, or all unclear, were participants in the 2017 Vegas blowout. 
Businessman A was trying to, quote, groom city officials, multiple, uh, to improve his business. Quote, he had a product, he wanted to sell it to developers, end quote. And that kind of touches on one of our major objections to the way that L.A. City Council operates with the passing off of responsibilities from elected council member to, like, their chief of staff or, like, one of their other staffers. Because, like, this developer realized, oh, I need to get the staff, like, I need to get the council member, but he's not the fish I'm trying to hook. Who I'm trying to hook is the next person in line for the seat. That's the person who I want. I want more than four years worth of, like, steady business. I need to line up the next eight to 12 (laughs) years. And apparently he did a damn good job of it. I also got to say, like, $24,000 in one night on bottle service is amazing what the hell are you doing i mean That's so many bottles i mean then again like they charge outrageously the, oh, for that course, shit in vegas but like it, it's also one where it, it, when when this first came out and people were like making fun of john lee being the choice of law enforcement which was like his <laughs> campaign slogan my only thought was like what do you think the police unions do when they go to vegas they're doing the oh, exact same yeah. thing of course he's the the choice of law enforcement because these are all the same like balding you know paunchy dipshits that are going to like uh, crazy horse and dropping all of their money for the year because they're basically just a corrupt lobbying uh, firm. Like that's what police unions do in Vegas. So of course John Lee's doing that. It's just a boys club yeah. and a pretty disgusting one at that. I do have to say if you and you know what, I think I'm going to use one of these photos for the the thumbnail so you all can, can see it. But the photos of Mitch Englander leaving uh, <laughs> the court with, with his, his wife, wife <laughs> and his wife just with a death grip on Mitch and it's everything about the photos is perfect but you can just imagine like marital infidelity that then has to be allocated to in court has to be so painful and embarrassing oh my god yeah it was just it's amazing I think also the the thing we should mention is like we can't prove this obviously but I think that there's a reason why the news dropped the day it did instead of like a week earlier before the you election. Think? Like I think Englander waited until after the election to surrender himself, yeah. which also means like that's how you can tell someone's wealthy and white is they get to choose when they get arrested. You know, if you're in South L.A., the police make that decision for yeah. you. If you're a rich guy from the the north end of L.A. County or L.A. City, uh, you get to have your lawyer call up the cops or the FBI and be like, make you know what, uh, you know, Wednesday doesn't work. How about we come in <laughs> Thursday afternoon? Is that okay for you? And you get to negotiate about that. And it's kind of amazing. I, I have a feeling Englander is going to get the book thrown at him. It sounds like he's either going to have to cop a plea that's really going to be damaging to him. Yeah. Um, but B... We're still waiting to see if there's going to be fallout for like John Lee, who's implicated in this, which so far there has not. Like Nuri Martinez has yep. has not uh, rescinded her endorsement. Mitch O'Farrell has not rescinded his endorsement. Yeah. Eric Garcetti has said fuck nothing about this. Of course, his city is literally falling apart, and he's running you know mushy brain Joe Biden's campaign. <laughs> it's just I I don't like we let the foxes guard the hen house, and now the foxes have all left, and the chickens <laughs> are turning cannibal, and this is bad, <laughs> folks. Oh God, we're all gonna die. Yeah, but it, I, I, I'm just, I'm impressed with the amount of money that was pissed away on this. I'm impressed that like they nailed Mitch Englander so, so solidly. Like oh, it sounds man. like it's such a solid case, and I, I also don't think there's gonna be much consequence for anyone no. involved. Like none of these folks are gonna get locked up in a supermax, despite the fact that they did, you know, untold damage to people who live in our city. Uh, and they're gonna basically gonna get to to skate with a little slap on the wrist. But I guess we'll see. Yep. Maybe maybe Mitch will be like the example they make. But there's so many other people that were involved oh, in this. Yeah, no, I, th- this is there's gonna be a lot that goes with this. Um, the fact that they you know let 
Jose Huizar still like carry out his term up to this point is, I mean, I'm hoping that it's indicative of the fact that they've got so much to continue collecting that they're, you know, they've waited this long to do anything. Cause this, again, these, these, uh, allegations, this, this indictment all stems from a, uh, a wiretap that was granted by a federal judge to basically to the FBI to tap into all of a number of folks out of city hall surrounding a city hall corruption investigation. That inquiry seems to have been centered on Jose Weizar's office. And there's some crazy shit going on with all that. But this instance of uh, Mitchell Englander and John Lee getting caught up in this dragnet is basically uh, just pure dumb luck from the FBI but it's also indicative of just how brazen these incredibly corrupt folks in city hall are about their corruption. Like they could have gotten away with this if it weren't for those meddling FBI agents, right? They could have, all they had to do was do what uh, Garcetti and all of these other staffers have done for decades, which is just say, no, 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 you do this as a behested payment so that when I go, you know, I'm done here at city hall, I can then tap that behested payment uh, and and get a job as a consultant for these nonprofits or whatever, and then that way tap into that money, and it doesn't go directly into your pocket. Rather than ten thousand dollars in a fucking envelope, yeah, in well, a bathroom. I, well, <laughs> Come the, on. The other thing that I think we should mention here is there's another city council member who's implicated oh, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, this, yeah, yeah. and it appears to be uh, Gil Cedillo. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, they were still saying it was uh, Weezer, Weezer at this point. Yeah, because his it was. Well, I heard it might be Cedillo. It could I heard be. Cedillo. Like they haven't named who uh, the other council member is, but there's another council member. Yes, because they were both because Cedillo and uh, Englander were both on the Planning and Land Use Commission yes. when this went down, and that was the target. But also, yeah, yeah. So Weezer was the chair of the Planning and Land Use. Yeah, Englander and Cedillo were both on it as well. Englander. So we got we have a lot of corruption <laughs> to go around. Like it could, and that's the other thing that's a little bit scary about this is like Weezar obviously is not coming back, but the fact that it could just as easily be Cedillo. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like whoever it turns out to be, I'm sure we will find out at some point in the future. But the fact that like the FBI can drop an indictment like this, keep a possibly sitting council member anonymous in these indictments. You're like, yeah. no, no, no. We as a city need to know how corrupt these people are. Well, and they also opted like the, the FBI, uh, they apparently don't want to interfere with invest with like elections by you know, pointing out that there's an active criminal investigation going on surrounding candidates, unless, of course, it's, you know, to their own benefit. But yeah. they 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 absolutely could have dropped this indictment like two weeks earlier, and it would have completely changed the tone of the election in CD12. Yeah. It would have oh, been yeah. a totally different story. Like the voters in CD12 deserve to have known about how incredibly corrupt their former councilman was and you know knowing that eh, you know birds of a feather you know that kind of a situation john lee was his right hand man for a very very long time they absolutely both knew what the hell was going on and uh, anyway yeah we digress but yeah but not to make it seem like los angeles county has a <laughs> monopoly on uh 
uh, philandering playboys who have gotten indicted by the FBI. Let's talk about uh, former congressional representative hey. Duncan Hunter. All Duncan right. Hunter Jr., by the way, because you remember there's a Duncan Hunter Sr. who just like was better at doing the crimes. Yes, he was. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and quote straight from the San Diego Union Tribune here saying, quote, at the same time, Hunter told national television audiences and local supporters that he did nothing wrong, claiming he was a victim of a witch hunt cooked up by his political enemies. Hundreds of pages of evidence made public Tuesday show the congressman was actively obfuscating his role in the campaign finance scandal. Remember, this is the scandal that he blamed on his wife and said that she was bad at record keeping and therefore she was the one who was culpable for his gross misallocation of campaign Look funds. at all the affairs she let me get away with. And she didn't catch on to any of that. She was terrible at the job. So continuing, quote, rather than admit his guilt and resign his seat in April 2016 when originally questioned, or even in August 2018 when originally charged, Hunter chose to mislead the more than 700,000 people who reside in the 50th Congressional District, the filing states. Continuing later on, the sentencing memo also notes that as soon as Duncan Hunter arrived in Washington, D.C., he became part of the capital city elite. He was invited to parties almost every night. Congress was in session. The document notes Hunter met a woman at one such gathering in April 2009 and quickly moved in with the unidentified woman. Prosecutors said later the Alpine congressman used campaign funds to pay for a romantic weekend in Lake Tahoe, according to prosecutors. Great. It's going to, this is going to keep unwinding. It's going to be a wild story. Um, I mean, again, it's one of these things where (laughs) when you reach that level of of elected office, the sanction that you face is so much lower than what a private citizen would. It's it's kind of amazing. And the fact that like you're allowed to keep your job and run for reelection when you're facing these kind of charges, like, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, potentially Englander could get like 55 years uh, sensing for the incredible amounts of corruption that they've got him on. And also, quick note, there we were having a discussion on, uh, on the K-Town for All Discord about this. Uh, I think that there should absolutely be a biopic made of this entire situation after it's all unfolded, uh, if for nothing other than to see uh, whoever plays Mitchell Englander pull up to a uh, fundraiser, get the businessman to step into the car, crank that stereo, drive around the block with the stereo blasting. Meanwhile, <laughs> trying to come up with lies that the businessman is can, t- can tell the FBI so they can figure out what their story is going to be and they can all stick to it. Meanwhile, the business person has like multiple wires on him actively recording everything that is being said in the car. Like, <laughs> Well, and also like... <laughs> It's funny because, like, the FBI is smart enough to know how to filter out music from a recording. Like, that's actually not something that's all that hard to do. Uh, but I was hoping for a second you were going to pitch the the movie, the gamer congressman. But oh yeah, yeah no, that would, that, would, that would be the like the sequel oh, to it. You could yeah. you could easily do a biopic for Duncan Hunter. Um, I I think. uh, These scandals are ripe. You know, people say all the time that like Hollywood just has come has has, has run out of ideas for what to do. But like our politicians are literally writing some of the most amazing nonfiction stories that you could, you know, dramatize and turn into something really just truly amazing. And Duncan Hunter uh, should make his life. His his life uh, and and this story of wanton corruption should absolutely be a comedy pick of some sort, but you know make sure he doesn't get any money for it. Uh, and uh, same thing for Englander. And 
probably who he's are and maybe a bunch of other folks. Yeah. It's we'll, going to be we'll see. Yeah, we're going to see how this all un- unwinds as uh, things continue to move forward. All right, let's uh let's move on to a very truncated uh cops y'all <sighs> section uh and one that is like particularly painful because yeah. it's just bad. Uh but the city of Santa Monica finally setting up for Apparently, a decade's worth of child abuse. Jesus. Yeah. So on Tuesday, this is uh, reading straight from the uh, LA Times on this. On Tuesday, the Santa Monica City Council agreed to pay those victims $42.6 million to resolve the ensuing sexual abuse lawsuits that were filed against the city. The settlement also resolves a claim by a woman that she was abused by another PAL volunteer. Uh, Later in the article, quote, for decades, Eric Uller served as the Santa Monica Police Department's technology wizard, overseeing street cameras, creating crime maps and advancing its computers. But many knew him better as an ever present volunteer in the Police Activities League beginning in the 1980s, helping young boys in the predominantly Latino Pico area. He would give kids rides in his unmarked police car. So. And this is, we just saw this go down in the LAPD uh, discovery program yeah. where they like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like uh, uh, kids in like middle school and high school who want to like explore being a police officer. It turns out uh, LAPD is full of sexual predators yes. and has bad controls because apparently some of those kids just like took a cop SUV at some point yeah. and like tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear that they plan to sell. Yep. Um, so maybe letting violent maniacs with guns groom children is a bad idea. It, yeah. Yeah. So this, this is, this one gets real dark. We aren't going to go into the details beyond this, but it's yeah. uh, cops, cops y'all. Yeah. So that one, you know, at least the city of Santa Monica is finally paying out on it. Uh, it sucks that the taxpayers in the city of Santa Monica are going to have to foot the bill for $50 million dollars. Uh, because of an officer who should have been stopped yeah. long before this, like long, long before this. Um, but I guess, you know, it's at least come to light. Uh, the department in uh, Santa Monica's police department has said they are making, they have made significant changes to the way that they run this program and that they do oversight of it. Uh, but again, it's just, you know, this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's allowed to continue because a culture is built and because people are turning a blind eye yep. to what's going on. So, uh, nothing really good on like to add to that one, but you know something to be aware of because I have a feeling as we investigate LAPD and the LA County Sheriff's Department more in the coming years, we're gonna overturn more rocks that have like some real muck underneath them. Which again, that actually ties in well to you know make sure people remember Measure R passing so overwhelmingly Woo-hoo! that gives the Civilian Oversight Commission the you know a, a solid footing for demanding through subpoena power documents about all sorts of stuff that sheriff's uh, deputies have have been doing in terms of abuse both in the jails and out on the streets like we can actually finally see some real accountability that stems out of that and this is you know why these kinds of cases are exactly why you need this kind of oversight and it needs to be independent oversight that is not you know does not fall under the the political thumb of any of these people who are in power so it would be really great to see like the civilian oversight commission for uh, like the LAPD also be turned into something that's a little bit more democratic and, you know, actually accountable rather than being run by folks like Steve Soboroff, but you know, baby steps for now and then, you know, throw it all over and burn it to the ground. All right. For our very last story of this week, uh, we're going to talk about a big win for the movement here in Los Angeles. Uh, Stand LA has been calling for, 
the closure of the Allen Co. drilling site for years. Uh, the Allen Co. drilling site is uh, situated by USC and is a weird sort of land setup. Uh, half of the land is owned by the city of Los Angeles. Yep. The other half is owned by the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, <laughs> i.e. the Catholic Church. So the city of Los Angeles had already shuttered the three operational wells that were on its land. However, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles refused to stop Allen Co. from continuing to drill on the site, despite the fact that a lot of people living around this very dangerous and hazardous site were members of the Catholic Church and were members of local oh, yeah. parishes. Um, it was really, it was a really nasty, long drawn out fight, but it looks like it's finally got a resolution. So the, this well has been sitting, all of the wells and the Alenco site have been uh, sitting idle for a number of years at this point, but basically uh, Alenco was not going to do anything about it, but... Uh, let's just go ahead and quote straight from Emily Alpert Reyes in her reporting on this issue from earlier this week. Quote, California regulators are ordering Alenco Energy to plug wells and decommission an oil drilling site whose neighbors once complained of nosebleeds, headaches, and other ailments, permanently closing the South Los Angeles facility. Later in the article, last month, one of the company's executives told state regulators that it would no longer be spending, quote, further capital on the South LA site. Uh, Natuk said that his in his order that the company must decommission the facility in accordance with state law. Decommissioning the facility will require the proper plugging and abandonment of all wells, drainage and removal of pipes, tanks and vessels, demolition of all buildings and structures, removing and disposing of contaminated soils and restoring the surface to native or quote native or near native conditions. End quote, according to California Department of Conservation spokesman Donald Drysdale. So this is huge because this company literally planned on just like walking away and being like yeah nope our shell company is going to declare bankruptcy we're not on the hook for any of this y'all get to do all the cleanup but uh no fortunately california state regulators are stepping in and saying Haha, yeah and it's, you get to pay. <laughs> it's also one where like the city of los angeles has a lot of uncapped wells oh huge and, we're yeah, gonna be talking about this later in another yeah episode, but, there, but there was a, an la times investigation that went into this and yep, like you yep, can yep. see the uncapped wells around like we know they're there. Some of them are from companies that have gone defunct. Other Others are from companies that have been bought out by larger uh, uh, fossil fuel interests that have decided not to do the the work to actually like make these sites safe. And the city of LA, the county of LA, lack a lot of the regulatory authority to force these, these sites to be fixed, to force these owners of these uh, incredibly toxic sites to stop poisoning their communities. Yeah. We're beginning to see a backlash to that. We're beginning to see Los Angeles County and L.A. City finally pull themselves away from our history of being an oil town. And we can't ever forget this city, this state was built on oil. Yes, it was. Our mandate in the next like 12 years or, you know, however long we got before like climate, the climate crisis kills us is to get ourselves fully away from that, to fully undo that legacy and to explore new ways of generating energy and generating surplus for the people who live here. Yes. And so one of the f fun little details that I saw in that reporting from the LA Times about all of these idle wells that are not being handled properly is there's apparently a well that's been idle for 104 years. That's just like a block away from the 110 101 in intersection, like in downtown on Bunker Hill. It's just been sitting there idle since 1916. Like this is absolutely some wild shit when you start digging into it. And, you know, it's just the history of these oil wells in the city is absolutely devastating to these local communities that are, are so deeply impacted. Standing Together Against Neighborhood Drilling, Los Angeles, Stand LA has done an amazing job in calling for this 2,500 foot human health and safety buffer around all drilling sites, which would require that 
pretty much everything gets shut down because there are no drilling sites in the city of Los Angeles that are not within a 2,500 foot zone of, you know, schools or homes, pretty, pretty much not anyway. Uh, and that would really mean that we can finally actually shut this shit down and start dealing with, you know, the restorative justice aspect of the environmental, you know, demolition of the native Southern, Southern California environment uh, by, you know, wealth extraction. So we'll keep on the, we'll keep on talking about this at another time because there's, <laughs> there are some really just terrifying pictures that you can look at from the history of how oil was extracted here in LA and Southern California. And we'll get into that another time. Yeah. But it, this is it, a big win, even yes, though it's not the huge. biggest win it's in the grand scheme of things for the state of California, not like a huge issue for the community around oh, USC, massive win. And we got to do this like, small but significant win yes. by small but significant win and things will build from there yep. so it also with, sets a great model and precedent for yeah. future uh, shutdowns yeah no it, it having the courts uh sign off on like you have to cap the wells also huge win absolutely uh, but that being said let us talk about what we've got on the pipe for next week uh because we got some exciting things coming up well sort of yeah so uh as always we've got the the vigil for black lives matter happening on wednesday uh, downtown at 211 West Temple, unless something happens with uh, the coronavirus fallout, the vigil will start at four and run until six. Um, I can't imagine this being called off altogether because they've been doing it for two and a, like two and a half yeah. years at this point. But it's hard to tell in this yeah. in this age for the next, you know, two to six weeks. Uh, it's hard to justify public gatherings. Yeah. I mean, at least it's a small enough public gathering that, you know, we can keep our distances. But at the same time. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this one. Uh, the Los Angeles Tenants Union is uh, still currently scheduled to have a number of meetings happening next week on Wednesday, the 18th. They've got their West Side local meeting, their Mid City local, as well as their East Hollywood locals all having their their local meetings uh, on Thursday. They're going to have their Vibe local meeting. And then on Saturday, the Canoga Park local is going to be meeting up. Uh, so. Those are all still currently planned. Um, I think I saw some emails popping up that they might be postponing or canceling some of these. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested, reach out to uh, Latu directly to get more information about what's going on and how how you can you know still participate in that kind of solidarity that's so necessary uh, amongst renters in the city trying to you know f stare down the. Uh, the barrel of these really potentially devastating economic times that we're moving into. So yeah. when it comes to ground game, uh, we are for the foreseeable future, moving all of our meetings online, which is going to be a bit of a transition for us. Yes. Uh, we'll be meeting through zoom and we'll be posting links. We probably will not be allowing the meetings to be completely public. Like we do with our open door meetings when we're meeting in person, because it's prohibitive and it takes a lot of prep, but we're going to work towards that. What we are going to start doing is posting recaps uh, and posting like notes and stuff from our meetings for those of you who want to follow along, who want to see what we're up to, who would have uh, previously dropped in on one of our meetings. Yeah. We are always interested to get new people into the mix, to get new people working. We're just trying to figure out what the future forward is going to look like. This has been a massive change. We're very fortunate in our organization to have people who are skilled medics, nurses, people who understand the dire stakes that we're working with, and they have impressed upon us very thoroughly that we should exercise an overabundance of caution. Yes. And I would encourage you to do the same. If you feel like you're overreacting, that's okay as long as we flatten this curve. Yep. That really has to be the thing that matters. And 
from my own immunocompromised self to everyone out there who's willing to make their lives harder to protect people like me, thank you. You will save a life, even if you don't see that now. So, as always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page or by email over at podcast at groundgamela.org. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work on Patreon over at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, check the description for sources, links to actions, and social media links. And... Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in this week. Uh, these are tough times that we're looking down in the coming weeks, but we can do this together because that's how we will always be able to make things uh, go the way we want, and that's how we win. So I'm going to just leave us on a quote from the world's greatest newsman, Kent Brockman. Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Kent. All right, thank you all very much. Thirty and more. Thirty and more. Thirty and more. Thirty and more.